Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm gonna gonna show you something here in just a second. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, uh, the the past two Sundays I've, I've... Flown on a jet plane two Sundays ago, I flew out to Oakland, California, and uh, drove a truck to Midland, Texas for my little brother. And uh, one thing that I recognize really quick when getting on an interstate in Oakland, California, is that the lanes are about 18 inches narrower than I'm used to. You know, in Texas, they're like 12 feet wide. You know what I mean? You can, they're big. They're I mean, I'd be sneaking in between two trucks, and I mean, you had to be, there had to be just inches on either side at about 70 miles an hour. So needless to say, I was pretty uptight, and I, I uh, drove, I got there about 6.30 in the morning, or 6.30 in the evening to Oakland, and I drove till about 2.30 in the morning. I drove just to this side uh, of Palm Springs California. Uh, I hadn't gone through Palm Springs yet. And I, I got up the next morning and I would like to meet the marketing director for Palm Springs, California, because they make it sound like it's this beautiful resort. That ain't nothing but rock and cactus. It's like being back home. I'm going to start Palm Springs, Texas, where I'm from, because that's all I got is rock and cactus too. So anyway, uh, I was vastly kind of disappointed, uh, at least from the interstate. But I was really excited about this drive. Now, why anybody would be excited about flying to Oakland and driving like 27,000 hours back to Texas, I mean, I I don't know why. But right outside of Phoenix, Arizona, lives a man that many of you have heard me talk time and time and time about. His name is Ralph Hager, and he was one of my mentors. And he lives about three minutes north of the interstate, just west of Phoenix, Arizona, and I got there about lunchtime and uh, went over to his house, hugged him and Kathy's neck, and of course, she's just a phenomenal cook, and we sat there and ate tacos and and everything, and and as we always did, I met Ralph whenever I was 20 years old, and we have been uh, very good friends since then, so that's like for like four years, right, something like that, and uh, anyway... We sat there, we finished eating, and we got up and we did something that he, he probably doesn't even know how much it meant to me, but, but when you're with your mentor and whenever I was with him, we ate, and then we got up and we went out to the saddle house, because that's what we do, you know? And we, we just sat there and we talked about, about rope and we talked about horses and we talked about wild cattle and we talked about bits and head stalls and different ways to work cattle and, and wild stories. And, and, and I mean, that two hours that I was there just, just flew past. And I was more than just a little bit sad whenever I drove off. But as I was driving, got back on the interstate, headed towards Phoenix, uh, I thought about one of the most memorable times. And I don't even think that me and Ralph have ever even talked about what I'm fixing to tell you about. And, and, and it's, not, it, there, there's, it's not a great, exciting story with, with, you know, getting bucked off or anything like that. But there's just certain moments in your life that just sticks with you. 
And, and this time was, uh, I had met Ralph and he had helped me start some colts and everything. And, but we had never really worked cattle together, but there was a rancher there close to Fort Stockton, pretty big rancher. And Ralph got me a, a day working gig with him. And the rancher told Ralph, he said, find, you know, four or five, six cowboys. And Ralph said, I don't need four or five or six cowboys. I just need Kevin and my son, Justin, and we can get the job done. He's like, really? He's like, yeah. He said, I just need to, I'd rather have a couple of good cowboys than a bunch of cowboys that didn't know what they were doing. And so I was like, man, there was a lot of pressure on me, right? And so we start gathering and, and Ralph is on this side and I'm in the middle and Justin's on this side and, and we get going and, and, and the pastures down there are measured in sections, okay? Not, uh, not, in, uh, not in acres. The first day working gig I got around here, I rode out. And we got up on top of this hill and we could see every cow in the pasture. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. So anyway, we start going and there's about 60 head uh, of cow calves, cows and calves in this, uh, in this pasture. And I get them going and pushing horns ain't easy as the movie said it was. Okay. So when you're by yourself and, and, and I, I got accused of talking Texan section is one square mile, 640 acres. Okay. So when I, we're talking about square miles, multiple square miles of pasture, not just, you know, 200 acres. And um, so I got going and I started pushing them. And then the ones up front were trying to go the wrong way. So I would lope up there and get them going the right way. And the ones in the back would try to turn back. And so I would lope back there and, and they were getting strung out. They were getting further and further apart. The slow ones were going really slow and the fast ones are going really fast. And I'm wearing my horse out. And, and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, here I've got all the cattle by myself in the middle of the pasture and I'm about to lose all of them. And I don't even know where Ralph or Justin is at this point. And so I had loped back to, to get the ones and try to push them back up with everybody else. And I looked over my shoulder and those two ornery cows and their calves had thrown their tails up and they were leaving and there was nothing I could do about it. So I was going to get to the pen and have to tell Ralph, I, I didn't get, I had them all and I lost them. And I'm sitting there lamenting. I mean, my, my heart is just in the bottom of, uh, of, my, of my chest and I'm, I'm worried and I'm fretting and, you know, he'd vouched for me and this is the first time we're really working cattle together and I wanted to make a good impression and here I was, I was about to lose all the cattle and I look up and they're going up this, just a gentle rise and all of a sudden, those two cows stop, and over the rise comes Ralph, pushing all those cattle back in. And then here in a second, here comes Justin, and they take that side, and we get all the cows, and we push them up in there. That didn't mean much to Ralph, but it meant the world to me because he helped me whenever I wasn't able to do the job by myself. He showed up not too early, but not too late, just at the right moment, and that's what good cowboys do. They help you out. They don't ever condemn you. They, they can see when you're having a problem. If they don't have cattle, they're going to be looking for cattle. And that's what happened to Ralph. He was looking for cattle. He heard them. So he came over and he was in the right spot at the right moment. But he didn't just help me that day. See, Ralph helped me have confidence when working cattle. He gave me pointers. And, he, and sometimes those pointers were he pointed out what I did wrong. But he helped me gain confidence that I can go anywhere in this world nearly, maybe not where there's alligators. I don't like alligators. But anywhere where there's not alligators and, and work cattle. It doesn't matter if it's in the brush. It doesn't matter if it's in the hills. I have the confidence that I can do the job. He helped me see 
that a sincere heart and hard work were better than a ton of natural talent. And the way he did that one day, I was, we were sitting there in the saddle house and we were sitting there talking and I was talking about another cowboy that I wish that I could rope as good as he could and ride as good as he could and blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me like I was stupid and he said, hey, I'd rather have you any day than him. And I said, why? I can't do nothing. There's nothing that I can do as well as he can. He said, that's not true. He said, he knows what he can do and you can't tell him anything. He said, but you are like a sponge. You ask questions, and whenever I tell you the answer, you do it that way. He said, I would rather have that than somebody that's got a bunch of talent. As a matter of fact, I was watching a, a video the other day, uh, Tom Morehouse of uh, the Tongue River Ranch. They were interviewing him, and they said, what's a good cowboy? And, and, and he said this, he said, I'll take, good I'll take a good attitude over great talent any day. I'll take a great attitude over good talent any day. Well, that gives some of us hope, don't it? He helped me to see that a sincere heart and hard work were better than a ton of natural talent. He assured me that he would always be there to help me. I even whenever I left the other day, he said, if you need anything, you call. And sometimes I don't even need anything, but my phone will ring and it'll be Ralph. And it's just at the right moment. And we might not have talked for three months but he knows what to say, and he has this sixth sense of, of what I'm going through. And he took a kid, 20-year-old kid, with very little confidence that thought he could do nothing and helped him turn into a man that knew he could do anything. That's what Ralph did for me. Whether he meant to do that or not, that's what he did for me. The other things that he did for me that just mean the world to me is he vouched for me. Man, when you vouch for somebody and you throw their name out, man, that, that is the highest form of sincerity. And I promise you, cowboys don't do it very often. When somebody vouches for you, they are taking responsibility for your actions. Ralph vouched for me. He helped me. He taught me. And on more than one occasion, he chewed my butt out. That's what, that's what mentors do. I mean, if you... If you're thinking about being a cowboy and you don't like and, and you can't take a butt chewing, you're in the wrong line of work. Okay? I mean, everybody, every cowboy that's ever straddled a horse for very long has got snapped at or yelled at or get out of the way. You know, it's, just, it's one of those things, but you learn from that. And you can't wait to do it to somebody else. So y'all come out to the ranch. I need some practice. Not really. Not really. Kinda. The other thing that he taught me that I don't have to do everything on my own. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like that, that, that you have to do everything on your own? Well, you don't have to. And he taught me that. And he also taught me that he was the type of cowboy that I wanted to be like, so I made any and every excuse to be around him, to just soak up his knowledge. I mean, he was like 25 or 26 years old, and the manager of the Big Ben Ranch in Texas, and it was like 600 sections or something like that. I mean, you know, he's forgotten more about Cowboy than I'll ever know. And I, I, I longed for that knowledge. So I tried to hang around him as much as I could. In Hebrews chapter 12, I mean, Hebrews chapter 10, God says some of these same things about what Jesus does for us. Starting about halfway through verse 17, God says this, that there's going to be a new covenant and their sins 
and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And where the, and, and then that, that's the quote, and then the writer of Hebrews goes back and says, and where these have been forgiven, sacrifice of sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, now anytime you see the word therefore, look at what was said right before it and look at what's said right after it because the writer is joining two concepts. So we have, there are sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, uh, there is no sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, therefore, cowboys and cowgirls, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That sounded like the Bible, didn't it? That, I, I, I get it. That, that sounded like the Bible. But if we were to break that out kind of piece by piece, there is some amazing promises in there. Because see, with Jesus, they're used to, before Jesus, there used to be a sacrificial system and your relationship with God depended upon your efforts, how you acted. But Jesus came and he died on the cross and there's a new covenant that now our relationship is made right with God, not based upon what we did, but on, on what Jesus did and he did it perfectly. So now we have a new ride with Jesus. And some of the, the four, there's four characteristics of a new ride with Jesus that are listed in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 17 through 25. The first one is that one characteristic of a new ride, if you are following Christ, if you give your life to him, if you call on him as your Lord and Savior, then you are given confidence. Confidence. Now, whether you use it or not is up to you. I can give you a rope, but if you don't use it, then it's just decoration. And this, this gift that God has given us, this characteristic of confidence, isn't meant to just sit on your wall as a decoration. He wants you to go out and use it. He gives us confidence. That's a characteristic of our new ride with Jesus. And it's vastly different than what we're used to because most of us are used to having doubt and fear and sometimes arrogance, which is the greatest form of fear. People are arrogant because they, they are scared of what people think of them. So they try to puff themselves up, but it's just the highest form of fear. But instead of having the fear and the doubt and the arrogance, now we can have confidence. The second characteristic that Jesus gives us is a sincere heart, is a sincere heart. Let me ask you a question. Who are you really? Who are you really? Are you like me that sometimes you wish you could just be who God made you to be? Or are you scared that other people will think differently of you? Wouldn't it be nice just to be who you truly are? That, that if you wanted to do something, you just did it. And I, and I don't mean in a bad way, but just where you came alive, that you, you threw off all of the pretenses, that you could be sincere in heart. 
that you didn't have to worry about what other people thought. That you could quit pretending that's one of the characteristics of a new ride with Jesus is you can become that person. Now, you can, but he's not going to force you to. The third characteristic is that we have full assurance. Full assurance. Now, what does that mean? Let me ask you a question. Are you tired of being let down? Gets old, doesn't it? Get tired of being let down. Well, God ain't going to let you down. He is not going to let you down. He cannot He cannot break a promise. You know, that's one of the only things that God can't do. The omnipotent God, the omniscient God, the omnipresent God, the one thing that I think that it is impossible for God to do is to break his word because he's perfect. If he gives his word, you can count on it. You have that full assurance. No longer do you have to be let down by people. Now you can depend upon God instead of people and never be let down again for he is faithful and just. And the fourth characteristic of a new ride with Christ, man, may, maybe this is probably the, if we would categorize them, maybe it is the best and the toughest, is a clean conscience. Because if you're like me, for a long time, you've been carrying around some stuff that you don't want nobody to know about. Some things that you do, or some things that you think, or, or some things from your past that, that you would rather nobody know about. And, we, and, we, and we, we try to hide that inside, but it starts eating us alive. But when you give your life to Christ, you get a clean conscience. Because God says there's, there, there's lawless deeds and their sins I will remember no more. And, and God has said, man, I forgive you of that, but have you forgiven yourself? And a lot of people say, well, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Well, you, let, let, me, let me show you some, some spiritual impact of that statement. That is like walking up to the cross that Jesus is hanging on, that he's dying for your sin or has died for your sin. And you walk up there and you say, God, you know, I really appreciate you sending your son and all that to die for me and forgive me of my sins. But it wasn't enough because my sin is bigger than his sacrifice. That's what is going on in your soul when you won't let it go, when you won't forgive yourself, when you don't let Jesus wash you with pure water, and clean your soul out. Don't you want a new ride? Because I guarantee you, when we talk about confidence, and we talk about sincerity, and we talk about uh, uh, full assurance, and we talk about clean conscience, that is probably the exact opposite of the way most of us live. But it is the way that God wants you to live, and it is available to each and every one of us. He's given it to us already, but he's not going to make you use it. He'll teach you how to use it, but he's not going to make you. And you're not going to learn it overnight. If you've never swung a rope in your life, I can't put one in your hand and put you on a horse and say, go doctor a yearling. It's not going to happen. It may be a couple of years before you're ready to do that. It's the same thing with these things, with confidence and sincerity and, and full assurance and a clean conscience. It may take years for you to master it, but you have it today. And that is good news. That's why Jesus said, I've come to give you the good news. Everything that he gives us is good, especially the four privileges that are listed in this passage that I read also. Four privileges. We talked about four personal characteristics that were given. Confidence, self-assurance, sincerity, and a clean conscience. Four privileges of your ride with Jesus. Four privileges that you have. The first one, 
means, I, I hate to categorize stuff, but, but it's the most personal to me. We've already mentioned it once. See, Scripture tells us that we have a person that loves us more than we can ever imagine, that God says is perfect, and he is seated at the right hand of God, and he vouches for us. Jesus is up in heaven. And when you say, God, I want to give my heart to Jesus, I want to start following, no longer, it, no longer is my life important, but it is my life that I give to him, that I, that I offer myself as a living sacrifice, that I'm transformed from the inside out. When we do that, then we have a cowboy in heaven that is at the standing right now at the right hand of God, and he's vouching for you. Not, not, not the person sitting in front of you, not, not the mouthy one talking right now. He is vouching for you, and he's not vouching for you based upon what you can do or have done, but based upon what he can do and what he has done. Isn't that amazing that we have somebody that loves us so much that despite all the sorry things that we've done, that he knows what we're capable of even better than we do. He is still standing right there vouching for us. There is no type of love that I can think of other than when he gave his life that means more to me and that I would hope would mean the same to you, that Jesus is standing there vouching for you. He is getting you a job on his daddy's kingdom. He's like, hey, dad, man, I know this cowboy. I know this cowboy, and, and, and we, can, we can gather the lost and bring back those that are strayed away, bandage those that are injured, and strengthen those that are sick, because I've got a good cowboy down there to do it with. Will you give him a job? And God says, yeah, man, if you'll vouch for him, I will. Man, that, 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 should, that right there, that privilege right there should change our lives and change everything that we do. It has me, and I'd love to work with you. Jesus gets us into places that we never would have been. Because now it says that we, can, we have the confidence to enter the most holy place. Now, we don't have to go through somebody else because Jesus has vouched for us. We can go up to the throne of God now and, and just take our petitions right to God. See, beforehand, you had to go through the high priest. You had to go through the sacrificial system. Everything was based upon somebody else. But we don't have to do that anymore because we can go boldly to the throne of grace. You don't need to come to me to have your prayers answered. Thank goodness. The most powerful prayers in the world are yours. And the most powerful thing you will ever do is, is bow your head and go right before God himself and petition him. Ask him. Plead with him. Ask for forgiveness, whatever you need to do, and you need to do all of it. You don't need to go through me. You don't need to go through Save the Cowboy. You need to go to the throne of grace because Jesus has vouched for you. What a privilege we as believers, followers of the way, as it was early called. They wasn't called Christians in the very beginning. It was called the way. What a privilege we have that Jesus is standing there and he is vouching for us. The second privilege that we have is that Jesus is going to mentor us. That means he's going to learn us, he's going to lead us, and he probably isn't going to chew your butt a few times, okay? And if you ain't never been smacked on the back of the head by Jesus, you ain't been following him very long. It's a pretty regular occurrence for me. You'd think I'd know a little better, and I, I'm getting better. Used to, it was like a drum roll on the back of my head. Now it's just, you know, four or five times a day. 
But Jesus wants to learn you. He wants to lead you. And he's even going to chew your butt because he cares. He wants to make you better. Do you want to be better? Isn't that the question? We've been given all of these characteristics. We've been given all of this privilege and we do nothing with it. We just put it in a corner. We put it on a nightstand so that people will see it and think we're cool. Oh, you're a cowboy because you got a rope on the wall. No, I'm a cowboy because of what I do. I go out and I give myself selflessly and I grow and I learn. I learn from other people. I learn from God. I learn from my mistakes. I learn from my successes. But that's what God wants to do. He wants Jesus to be your mentor. He wants to make you better. He wants to grow you in faith. And all of this stuff he has promised. He said, man, I'll take you under my wing. I'll vouch for you. And he's not going to let you down. Because in verse 23, it says, for he who promised is faithful. He's willing right now to take you under his wing and make you into a cowboy or cowgirl that you will never be able to become on your own. What are you going to do with it? The third privilege that he gives us is that he assures us that we don't have to do it by ourselves. We, we don't have to go this life alone. You weren't meant to do it alone. I mean, even in the very beginning in Genesis, the only thing God ever created that he said was not good was man. Not really. He said it is not good for man to be alone. He's always wanted a relationship with us. He's always wanted us to have a relationship with each other. You do not have to do this on your own. And how many times have you thought nobody understands, but we do. We do understand. You were not meant to do this alone. You're going to help me. I'm going to help you. God's going to help all of us. And, and, and we're going to get a job on his outfit. And we're going to go out and we're going to gather. We're going to grow and we're going to go. And we're going to do things that will never be possible for anybody else. All those other people that are out just, they could care less. I hope they enjoy their life because that's about all they're going to get out of it. But let us strive for something more. And you weren't meant to do this alone. Jesus is vouching for you. He wants to mentor you personally. And you don't have to just be mentored alone. All of us here, that's what we're doing here today, is being mentored by him. Verse 24, spur each other on towards love and good deeds. They don't get no more cowboy than that. And finally, he vouches for us. He learns us, mentors us. We don't have to do it alone. And he teaches us to be like him. But is that really what you want? Because if you don't want it, you'll never do it. Okay? If you don't want to be like Jesus, you will not be like Jesus. You know, I, I wanted to be like Ralph, but I couldn't just go sit on the couch and watch Nickelodeon. And then one day I'd know how to rope yearlings and tie them down and doctor cattle and break horses. It don't work like that. I wanted to be like him because he had put in the work and he knew how to do it. And now I want to be like Jesus and I'm willing to put in the work and I'm willing to be dedicated to him and I'm willing to follow him. Even through the rough patches, even when he says go fast and there's badger holes or even when he says go slow and it looks easy. I want to be like him. Do you? Because if you don't want to be like him, you're not going to be like him. Instead, you're going to continue to be stressed out. You're going to continue to be afraid. You're going to continue to 
let your mouth run away with you. Let your thoughts run away with you. You're going to chase after that old carrot that that old devil puts in front of us. You're going to strive for materialistic stuff. And, and you're never going to find what you're looking for. But if you want to be like him, you will discover your true self. You will start to come alive. And I never said it would be easy. I told you that Save the Cowboy was the hardest thing I'd ever done and the best thing that I'd ever done. And it ain't about Save the Cowboy. It's about I pass on what God has taught me to y'all. I invite y'all on a journey. And if you're willing, you can come on this journey starting today. And maybe a few of you, you started that journey, but man, just as soon as the new wore off, man, you kind of backed off a little bit. You're worried about what other people are going to think about you. You're worried about how your life is going to change. Don't worry about if your life doesn't change. We've been given four characteristics, confidence, sincerity, assurance of the promises of God, and a clean conscience. They've been given to you. What you do with them is your business. He ain't going to make you use them, but you got them if you're a believer, if you follow the way. And we have four privileges. We, Jesus vouches for us. He teaches us. He's there with us. And he mentors us in all things. What will you do with those privileges? See, I've already said it once, but I want this to stick in your mind. Jesus got you a job on his daddy's outfit. His, his daddy owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and he's offered you a job, a place forever in his outfit. Now, are you going to go learn to be like him since he's vouched for you, where you never have to feel alone again? Are you, what are you going to do with this gift he's given you? He's vouched for you. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to go out and make a hand, or are you just going to sit there and watch some Nickelodeon? I ain't saying that you ain't going to heaven but you ain't going to be fulfilled watching SpongeBob. You hear me? Thank you. You came here today with your cattle spread out all over the place. Some going backwards, some going left, some going right. And you have been working your butt off to try to get all your priorities in line and try to get your life straightened out. And for some of you, and it's probably not the one in behind you, the one to the side of you, the one in front of you, the one talking to you, but that one that you watched shaving this morning, hopefully it was the guys. Kind of ruined it, didn't I? Just had a mental image. But seriously, what are you going to do with it? You've got cattle spread everywhere. And just at the right time, Jesus rides over the hill to help you out. He's here for you today. What will you do with it? Let's go to gun prayer. God, you sent your son to give us a place on your eternal outfit. Help us to grow into the kind of hands that please you. No more do we have to suffer in shame and self-loathing. Now we can ride in confidence, sincerity, and assurance of your promises and ride with a clean conscience. Thank you for the ultimate gift of your son who gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could become a cowboy like him. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Before you run off, uh, like uh, Ty said, if you're just joining us on live stream or anything, the, uh, the online store is, is up. Get you some merchandise. It's a great way to spread the gospel. Put the Save the Cowboy vest or hoodie or coat or whatever on people will ask you about it and all you got to tell them is what jesus said to nathaniel he said come and you'll see that's all you got to say if you're online they say what is save the cowboy say go to save the cowboy.com and you'll see we will tell them about the gospel you help us spread it on december 9th which is about two weeks away we're going to have our cowboy christmas ball okay it'll be a fun time it'll be from about six to ten 
uh, come hang out, dance, eat some finger foods. Y'all cowboys bring some mountain oysters so we can have some finger foods. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, if you want some more information, if you'd like to help decorate and do all that stuff, uh, talk to Sherilyn up here at the table. Uh, everybody's welcome. Uh, the last thing is uh, Israel. Uh, it's about three more weeks before everything has to be turned in. If you've been thinking about going to Israel, quit thinking about it and just go. Okay? It's going to be a phenomenal time. We've got about 15 people going right now. It's going to be a great, great opportunity for you to go and walk literally in the footsteps of Jesus to put your hand where he was crucified and to see the place where he was laying, laid laid, I don't know, whatever, when he, when he went down like this. And um, on the Sea of Galilee, put your hand on the water that he walked on.